Alexa, what time is it? The time is 6.28 p.m. Oh, we're a little bit late. My apologies. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. Okay, so welcome. This is um, this is our first Hustings podcast. Um, we have with Indeed. us two is two None esteemed. of our usual nonsense. No. So uh, who have we got? So um, joining us this evening, uh, and we'll introduce those in a second, and I'll, and I'll explain in a moment actually how the running order basically in the situation is going to work. Um, so joining us, we've got uh, George Madrick, who is the independent candidate for Paulsgrove, and we have George Brown, who is the Liberal Democrat candidate for Paulsgrove. So welcome, welcome gentlemen. gentlemen. If, you, um, if you are following the show live, uh, please feel free to contribute and engage with us uh, from the comment section on the, on the Facebook stream. Um, and um, by all means, um, if you have any questions to suggest in there, we'll be happy to take them. But we have a full list of questions prepared, um, but we, um, we may pick some out of the live stream um, if, if there's time and they're suitable to do so. Um, so what um, what I'm going to do now is explain how the how the hustings are going to work. This, as I say, this is our first um, hustings. So we've got another four of these actually lined up uh, with Eastley and Cranes Water next week, followed by the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hans and Isla White um, the following week, and then on the 25th we've got Charles Dickens, and on and then on the 2nd of May we've got Central Southsea. So we've got a packed kind of couple of weeks ahead of us um, but we felt that it was important that voters had a chance to actually hear their candidates in these elections um, answer answer some questions um, because this election's not been like any other that, that well certainly that we can remember um, so um, our introduction so um, just to be clear we're not here to pit um, your candidates against each other um, the election already does that. Um, we're here to give you a chance to have your questions put to your candidates. And questions um, have been, we've been taking submissions of questions um, in advance of the event by Facebook and by email. Um, so on the event on our Facebook page uh, and by email. So please bear that in mind if you wanted to contribute towards the future hustings. Um, and during the show, as I've just mentioned, in the comments section on the live stream. Uh, no candidate will be declared loser or a winner today. Our hope is that by being able to hear their responses, you, the voters, will be the winners. Questions must be ones that can be answered by all candidates, applicable to Portsmouth or the ward in question, and questions will be selected by the host and put to all candidates in turn. All candidates have the option of a three-minute opening speech and a three-minute closing speech. Candidates that have responded to us but have been unable to attend the hustings have been given an option to pre-record opening and closing speeches or to submit them in writing for us to read. As the hustings are being held by Zoom, if we need to mute any candidate while, um, while, a different, while another candidate is answering a question just to stop interruptions, then, then we may need to do that, but hopefully we won't. Otherwise, we're going to leave the mics open. Candidates will be given two minutes to answer each question. Um, and then we'll, rebuttals will be offered once all candidates have answered that question. Um, so all of the, any of the candidates will have, a, have an option to have a 60-second rebuttal, um, a response to, the, um, to any of the answers that um, the other candidates have made, um, and there will be no further follow-up um, after that rebuttal. 
The candidates will answer the questions in order as determined by a coin toss um, and our extremely thorough and exhaustive um, randomization process um, resulted in, in, in the following order. So with regards to the opening and closing statements, I'll be reading out the statements forward um, on behalf of Tony Hewitt, um, which he submitted. Um, then it will be candidate Brown, and then it will be candidate Madrick. And forgive us for referring to them by their surnames. Um, we hate to be formal, but because they're both called George, it gets a bit confusing otherwise. Ian, what have you got to tell us about Paulsgrove? Yeah, so looking at Paulsgrove, we're just going to have a quick look at the tail of the tape and uh, see what that ward looks like and, uh, and give it the Pompey Politics podcast analysis. So back in 2016, um, the winner was... John Ferret, who was elected on behalf of Labour. Um, he then went to become an independent. So when he won back in 2016, it was with 41% of the vote, which was a 12% lead over UKIP. 2018, Joe Hooper for the Conservatives won the ward. She also got just got over 40% of the vote, or was 5% ahead of Labour. And in 2019, Gemma New won the ward with 37%, 11% ahead of the Labour Party. So if we look at those stats, because we all love a stat, you would think at first glance that this is a straight shootout between the red and the blue team. Um, I think that's oversimplifying things. The thing we have to be cognizant of that still in 2019, UKIP in Paul's Grove held 25% of the vote. So we don't know which way those votes are going to go. My dog's got very enthusiastic about the hustings. Um, so there's also the state that the Liberal Democrats have increased their vote share year on year. And also the fact that Paulsgrove have been represented by an independent for the last two, three years. And again, that means that the councillor that is representing that ward has been able to act as to what he perhaps feels is in the best interest of the ward rather than following party politics. So my tip for this ward is it's got a notoriously low turnout of just over 25% at the last election. So for me, whichever candidate can motivate and engage the electorate, has got a pretty good shot at winning this ward. Thank you, Ian. Um, and did you want to say anything about how we'd reached out to, to get everyone involved? Yeah, in terms of trying to get everybody involved, thank you to both Georges for putting their hands up very quickly. We have tried extensively to reach um, Tony from the Conservative team. Um, he came in with a written statement today. He's unable to attend in person. Dr Mark Farwell for Labour has been very difficult to get hold of. Um, he has no social media presence, so we've been trying through the local Labour Party. We were led to believe as late as six o'clock that he was looking to attend, but unfortunately he has not been here. So um, promise the electorate that despite, you know, Simon and I having our own political persuasions, we have worked with vigour over the last three, four weeks to get all the candidates we can here. So it is with thanks to both George and George that they are here ready to face the questions of the electorate. So, without further ado, do we want to go for opening statement number one, which is for Tony Hewitt Conservatives, as read by Simon. And those of you that know Simon's politics will know this is probably not been an, not going to be an easy read for him. But I'm sure he'll give it his best. I indeed will. Um, so I'm going to read this as it's written. So I'm reading this 
uh, basically, um, I'm obviously not going to put on a voice, but I'm going to read this in the first person in the way that it's written. So I'm not going to be um, transposing any uh, um, any of that. Um, so, um, right. Uh, forgive me. Sorry, I was just um, trying to do three things. Um, uh, okay. Um, right. Okay. So the um, so the statement from uh, from Tony Hewitt. Um, as Ian said, that we um, that we had this afternoon. So thank you, Tony, for submitting it. I'm going to read that uh, that now. Okay, so um, I'm standing to become your next ward councillor for Paulsgrove and Port Solent. I live here and raise my young family here. I know and see the trouble troubles people face in our area from issues around parking, messed up verges, antisocial behaviour, vandalism, local crime through to bus services, and for older people to get out and about of their daily lives. These are all problems that need constant attention and focus that can only be achieved by a strong councillor team. Paulsgrove Ward has one of the highest case workloads in the entire city and it'll need a strong team working together to get results. I am the only candidate in this election, to my knowledge, that has a strong relationship with not only the ward councillors here but also the city MP Penny Morden. I also work closely with other conservative city councillors across Portsmouth who are working with me to resolve some of the issues mentioned above. I'm also working closely with Councillor Donna Jones, who is going to be our next Police and Crime Commissioner. Together we can bring about the positive change which the area needs. We plan to get tough on the things that need constant focus, as I've mentioned. Over the past three years, I've organised charity fundraisers for various charities, community cleanups, shoreline litter picks, and assisted with other ward councillors with resolving problems including damage done by travellers at Port Solent and Paulsgrove, fly, tip fly tipping across Paulsgrove, getting road surfaces repaired and ruined verges hardened with Councillor Hooper, Hooper to create more parking spaces and protect green verges where requested, and securing other things with Councillor Gemma New such as planning issues and PFI colas issues, also road signage issues. I've been pleased to help with COVID support effort together with colleagues and Councillor Simon Bosher. I'm very proud of the fact that we've delivered over £15,000 worth of donations, toiletries um, to frontline NHS workers and daily hot meals to those shielding. I've seen firsthand how isolation and loneliness has affected people, especially the elderly, elderly and vulnerable. If elected, one of the first things I will be seeking to do is to create a campaign to work across the council and local services to bring together council and third sector services in addition to community-run schemes such as community cafes, like the ones the boys helped launch in Copner, which has been hugely successful, with older people as a place to meet and socialise. If we leave lockdown, such things will be needed as we head into recovery and hopefully normality. That's Thank you, Simon, on behalf of Tony Hewitt. So if we can now pass the baton on to George Brown, Liberal Democrat. Okay, good evening, everyone. and Thanks for having me um, on this podcast tonight. I'm George and I'm your Lib Dem candidate for Paulsgrove. I've lived in Portsmouth for just over seven months now. And prior to that, I'd lived in Hedge End. Whilst living in Hedgeend, I was a town councillor from the age of 19. So I've been on, so I was on the um, Hedgeend Town Council for just over three years. And I was very active on the Highways and Planning Committee, where I'd largely um, look at casework and deal with planning applications in the local area um, to make sure that they were to the benefit of local residents and also to manage the balance between um, local demand and also protecting local green spaces in the area. Um, since moving to Portsmouth, I've been very heavily involved in working alongside the community development team on Portsmouth City Council. 
um, largely volunteering at school uniform banks and delivering food vouchers and medications to local residents during the pandemic. What I have noticed about Paulsgrove is whilst there have been a great deal of provisions within the city, there is not a great deal of transparency um, between provisions to the south and north of the city. Therefore, my main pledge, if I was to be given the opportunity to represent Paulsgrove on Portsmouth City Council, is to make sure that the same amount of provisions can be utilised in the north of the city in places like Paulsgrove, where the demand for services such as food banks has gone up by about 40% at the start of the pandemic and making sure that local infrastructure such as policing and local transport networks are adequately met, just like in the south of the city. Thank you, uh, Councillor Brown. Thank you. Um, Ooh, that's a bit previous. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, oh, I beg your pardon. Sorry, Candidate Brown, I beg your pardon. Sorry, that's not... Um, oh, unconscious bias, I think that's they not, call that sign. That's, <laughs> that's um, not so a Freudian slip. George um, Magic, the floor is yours. Good evening, everybody. Thank you very much for inviting me onto the uh, Pompey Politics podcast. I'm George Magic, and I'm your independent candidate uh, for this election. Um, I just want to uh, quickly say that, and as you mentioned, obviously, earlier, Simon, uh, that being an independent is incredibly, incredibly important in politics, I personally believe in national politics but certainly local politics and that's purely because we don't hold a whip um, a lot of people that know about politics will know that regardless of your personal opinion and your good intentions if your party chairman decides that you need to vote a certain way then you have to vote a certain way regardless of how your local constituents think that's something that i think being an independent is a really beneficial thing to have so as you may know, I own the Wix restaurant groups. So we've got one in Cosham, one in Knoll Village. Um, I employ 30 plus staff, a lot of them being local and a lot of them living in the area. And for the last year during the COVID um, restrictions, I've been supporting the homeless, elderly, vulnerable, which a lot of you will know um, that's been very well publicized on BBC and Sky News. Um, and it's all been done at, at no cost to them. Um, it's been incredibly rewarding. And that's where I really found a passion, a real, real passion for politics. And I just really wanted to get involved in the local community because I feel that if I can do that as an individual, as a, as a, as a businessman, then the benefit that I could do as an actual councillor, if elected, would supersede anything I could currently do. Um, and that's why basically I want to get involved. So I really would love to win this so I can actually prove to people that councillors can do fantastic. We've got some brilliant councillors in Portsmouth from all different walks of life and all different parties. And I feel that I could really fit into that mix and have, be a strong, beneficial arm um, of the council. Thank you. Thank you, George. Thanks, Simon. You. I think you are posing the first question. Um, I am. Um, just before I get to the first question, I have received, actually, um, in while we were doing the opening, actually, an email from uh, Dr. Mark Farwell. So I've just pinged him the link to see whether he can very, very quickly join. Um, so I'm going to give him a second to try and do that. If he can, then it will give him a chance to make an opening statement. If not, I will start with um, pursuing through the, the proceeding through the questions. Um, and if he joins us, he joins us, um, but he will lose the opportunity to make an opening statement. I think that's a, that's a fair way to proceed. You're always a fair and honest man, Simon. Well, one tries, one tries. Okay, so... That. Give me a couple of seconds. I'm um, going to move to the questions then. Okay, so my first question, and um, with the order that we talked about, so that's um, first going to, and forgive me for my earlier mistake, um, that's going to um, going to candidate Brown. Um, so the first question is: Turnout is notoriously low in Paul's Grove. 
what would you do to encourage more people to vote? Yeah, thanks very much. That's a very important question because we all know that um, in local elections, the turnout is notoriously low in comparison to parliamentary elections. And specifically in Paulsgrove and actually areas in north of the city, the turnout is nowhere near as good as places in the south of the city, such as Central South Sea and Milton. So what I would do to address this issue is, first of all, making residents in places like Paulsgrove aware that their vote at local level is equal to those of um, living in areas in the south of the city. And also campaigning more in Paul's Grove, you know, the fact that there's only two out of the four candidates on this podcast tonight, obviously I don't know the ins and outs of whether those candidates can't make it, but surely that's enough of a sign to show that places like Paul's Grove and Cosham and places in the north of the city are always sort of left behind. And that the main sort of political campaigning and engagement is always sort of centralised to the south of the city. So I would first of all sort of make sure that there's more campaigning. I know it's difficult at the moment with the pandemic, but I'd make sure that there's more campaigning and more community engagement with residents in places like Paul's Grove. And also another thing I would do, and um, George pointed this out in his opening statement with regards to independent candidates, um, a lot of political parties sort of focus on target and non-target seats. Now, obviously, as a Lib Dem candidate in Paul's Grove, we, we haven't had great success here in, in recent years. I know that we've increased the vote, but we're still very much sort of behind the two main parties. So I would actually stop um, treating areas as like non-target seats or target seats and just treating all areas as places where progress can be made and where um local sort of candidates and politicians can actually engage with the public and sort of try and mobilize voters and i think that's a really important thing in places like paul's growth because if you treat an area in a neglectful way and you don't um sufficiently engage with the local residents then you can't expect to get good turnouts and i'm honestly not surprised that paul's growth has such a low turnout rate with regards to the lack of campaigning in the area okay Thank you very much. And the same question to candidate Madwick, please. Um, yeah, I mean, I a lot of people hopefully that are watching from the area will know that I started engaging back in December with people. Um, and it's something that I've always done and I, I have done naturally through my business anyway. But that's and I completely agree with uh, Mr. Brown, George Brown, that the in the north of the city, Pools Grove and Cosham specifically, the candidates just aren't knocking on doors. They're not putting things through doors. Um, I, I've gone and met a lot of people recently who have said, we've not heard anything from, from the Conservatives, we've not heard anything from the Labour Party. Um, and I think that is, that is one of the problems that I think Conservatives especially are so comfortable in Paul's Grove and Cosham because they so comfortably know that they usually win that they don't feel there's a threat on the horizons. They don't feel the need to fight. So there is an exception to that because although myself and Councillor Hooper don't see eye to eye on a hell of a lot of uh, topics, what I will say is that she is very proactive and I can't, I can't criticise her for that. But on the general rule of thumb, they don't they don't push it they don't they don't actually go and talk to people um and that's something that i've been doing since january um if you've been driving around paul's grove at all recently you will already see just over 200 of my posters up in windows across the city uh, we've already managed to secure and and get a load of people signed up for postal ballots because obviously it's going to be a lot more challenging to um to do in this election. Um, we've already delivered over 10,000 flyers across the area and some houses have been hit twice or even three times. And that's something that we started from January. So it's really about the candidate. I agree with, with Mr. Brown. It's about the candidate being proactive and not being lazy. And I think that will in turn increase voter turnout. How can you expect somebody to vote for somebody they've not spoke to, seen to or heard from, you know? So hopefully 
being a bit more responsive and a bit more proactive will get people a bit more interested and, and feel the need to vote and get out. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you, George. Um, okay. So, um, so as per our... Next. Hang on. As per our rules, do either of you wish to make a rebuttal to um, to the statements no. made by the other? Fantastic. No. Okay. Brilliant. Let's hope the rest of it goes as easily, right? Um, okay. So um, I am trying in between everything to keep an eye on um, emails and such, and I'm forwarding the link to Dr. Farwell if, he, if he's still able to join. No worries. Um, and obviously, obviously you, under the rule, Simon, if he joins partway through a question, he's going to have to sit that one out and we'll then pick, we'll then pick him up on the, the next question Indeed. to be answered. So perfect. So quest, question two is looking at the demographic that you've got Paulsgrove and Port Solon. Um, I think most people would recognise that those two areas have quite a different demographic. demographic. How can you serve both communities equally to candidate Brown? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I think whilst there are differences between um, Leon Solon and Paulsgrove with regards to demographics, I think there are also quite a lot of overlaps. You know, they're both fairly suburban areas on the outskirts of quite a big city and quite a densely populated city. So you do get a lot of um, suburban areas and a real mix of residents. You get sort of a lot of families, you get a lot of um, sort of first time buyers and first time renters. So I think it is very difficult to... Um, draw comparisons between the two um, demographics and making sure that you can make those um, discrepancies. But I think it goes back to what I was saying in the previous question. It is just about engagement. It's about learning the area well. You know, I don't live in Paulsgrove myself, but I live just up the road um, in South Sea. So I think it is all just about um, going there physically and speaking to people and learning what the concerns are. And then that way you can sort of gradually unpick the different demographics and look at the sort of differences and also the overlaps between um, Leon Solon and Paulsgrove. Thank you, Candidate Brown. Candidate Madrick? Um, more interestingly there, um, count, uh, uh, Candidate Brown said Leon Solent rather than Port Solent. I'm sure you noticed a few times. Um, obviously, Paulsgrove and Port Solent, however, as you say, are completely and utterly different de demographics. Um, you know, you've got a very working class background, families, you know, in the central part of Paulsgrove, and then you've got a very elderly, more affluent demographic within Port Solent. And that's why fundamentally conservatives always win this area because Port Solent is a conservative uh, foothold. And as you'll know, Simon, there is so many postal voters in Port Solent, it's beyond a joke. And as we know, postal voting is really, really, really important in these elections. Um, however, if you're talking about personal experience and how I could, how I could serve both communities equally, um, as I say, I think it's been well documented that I didn't really come from a, a from a rich or wealthy background. Um, I didn't come from a from a, a rich or wealthy family. You know, I was I was brought up. I worked hard. My parents worked hard. My dad was one of the biggest, hardest workers I've ever known in my entire life. Um, same with my brothers. And you know, at an age of 19, 20, I was obviously I say it's, it's public, you know, in any way. But I was I was homeless for a time. You know, I was at the bottom of of the bottom, and I've lived that way and I've worked myself up and I've lived in a council property and I've lived on benefits and I've had bailiffs at my door knocking day in and day out. Um, I've lived through all that. I understand how that works. Um, but I've turned my life around. And as you know, as you know, guys, I, I now own restaurants. I now own houses and I've, I've managed to make a really, really good go of my of my life and I've managed to turn it around. So fingers crossed, I can represent both communities because of that reason, because I understand what it's like to deal with wealth management, how to deal with with pensions and how to deal with the more kind of 
the, the, the side of life where larger finances are, are encouraged. But equally, I've been there. I've been at the bottom and I've worked myself up. So fingers crossed people can understand that I've lived both sides of the coin. And hopefully my experience given both sides will help voters feel comfortable that I understand how they feel and what they will need. Thank you, Councillor Madrick. So you've Councilor done Brand, it now. Any um, comeback on that? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd just like to first of all apologise for... Um, <laughs> with my slight trip on words with regards to Leon Solent and Port Solent, I do apologise for that. I was at um, Leon Solent earlier, so it's just a complete trip of the words, so I apologise. Not I'm, a problem. I, I'm, I'm sure we've inadvertently misspoken on a, on a microphone before. I'm sure it, all of us can, can, um, can attest to that. Um, okay, so thank you very much both. Um, and on to the next question. Um, so... Um, uh, so again, following the, following the same order. So um, I'm just going to go with Mister now because I'm too scared now of saying um, messing up councillor and candidate. So um, uh, so Mister Brown, um, what would you do to encourage more people to use public transport, walk or cycle, and leave their cars at home? Yeah, I think it is a very difficult one. I think in sort of the centre of the city, it's very difficult because there's sufficient train links, there's constant buses. You know, parking's not as great in the south of the city, so I think more people are encouraged to walk. But as more of a commuter town, I think in places like Fallsgrove, where there isn't quite the um, same level of um, local transport infrastructure, it's very difficult for people to sort of um, travel in a sort of green and eco-friendly way. So one of the main things I would do to address this issue is to lobby, was to be elected as um, the Portsmouth City Councillor for Fallsgrove, I would sort of lobby Hampshire City Council to make sure that the bus links to train stations like nearby like Porchester and caution were adequate and regular so that people that were commuting outside of sort of the PO area would be able to get those sufficient train links or maybe cycle to the station. Because at the moment I'm working in Titchfield at a warehouse and many of the people I work with there on low incomes live in places like Poolsgrove and um, Port Solent and I think it's very difficult for them if they don't have a car to be able to get to this area. This is right in the middle of nowhere in Titchfield so quite often they're getting a train to, um, they're cycling to Porchester, they're getting another train to Fairham and cycling another two miles to the warehouse and sometimes they're able to car share but quite often it's difficult to do that. So the first thing I would do to make is to make sure public transport provision in the area is far more um, sufficient for like local areas, local residents sorry and also to make to encourage car sharing as well because I think car sharing is good for um, the majority of people I work with. A lot of people sort of are able to get a lift with people that also live in Paul's Grove but I think for a lot of people that don't have a car and don't have any sort of nearby family or friends that have a car I think it's very difficult for them to sort of um, first of all get anywhere in the first place but also more importantly to not use cars or taxis for example so I think the main area that I would want to work on is to make sure that there's sufficient bus links nearby train stations and also to encourage car sharing if it's feasible for local residents. Okay. Thank you, George. Um, and Mr. Madrick. Um, honesty is always my first policy. And I, if something I say black is black and white is white. And my issue here is I love a car. I absolutely love a car. So this is probably not the best question for me to answer. Um, I absolutely adore my transport. Um, and I uh, would be a hypocrite if I said otherwise. Um, however, that being said, um, as Mr. Brown stated, and he is 100% accurate and 100% 
he's hit the nail on the head. Paul's Grove has got an absolutely disastrous public transport setup. Um, there is absolutely no train station in the area, which, as you know, is one of the most important methods of public transport of getting around fast. Um, and there doesn't look like there's going to be any hope for a train station in Paul's Grove anytime soon. You know, if you're living in Lime Grove or Rock Rose Way or any up like there, your options for a train are down at Porchester Station or down at Cosham. And these places are 30, 40 minute walks away, you know, so you're not going to be using a train. Um, and as I say, the, the bus links are acceptable in the area, maybe acceptable, but could be improved. I think to be honest and to be realistic, we probably need to focus more on cycling. I think that's the more I think that's the, the area that is going to have the most response is getting people on the bikes. I think this new scheme that the Portsmouth City Council are trying out with these scooters has been incredibly popular and I've seen so many people use them. So that's a really positive thing to see. Um, but fundamentally, uh, if you're looking to get people out their cars and you're in Paul's Grove, I'm probably not the person to do that, as I say, because I, I say I'm, I'm honest, I'd tell it as it is. If I sit there and told you that I would try and reduce cars, then I'm a liar. And, I, and that's something I don't do. But I say I do agree with Mr. Brown that, that there is a serious lack of public transport. I do agree that for people that don't have cars or can't afford cars there has to be different options and just because i personally like a car doesn't mean that obviously i can't help people that don't and look at different areas and ways that we can improve it but i personally feel that we do have to look more towards the cycle route than we looking at the bus route personally fantastic thank you um brilliant i let that run slightly over because you were kind of in the middle of what sounded like it was a finishing sentence um Okay, um, so would anybody like to make a rebuttal um, um, against those answers at all? No, all good. Fantastic. Okay, this is all deeply pleasant. Over to you, Ian. I know, this is it's all good. So so if we oh, look at... Um, hang on a second, sorry. The north and south. Oh. Sorry, to, sorry to stop the flow. Um, it looks like uh, we've got Mark Farwell joining us. So um, if we can just hang fire before we start that question then. Yeah, Um, so apologies for the slight delay. Is that couple of that frustrating few seconds while you wait for someone's actually to connect? So apologise to um, to um, candidate Madrick and candidate Brown. Um, but um, let's see if um, are, are are you there, Doctor Farwell? I am. Yes. Fantastic. This is a very strange view. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with it. <laughs> it doesn't look. I don't know if. If the clarity looks okay for you, but it looks really grainy and compressed. Uh, to be fair, um, you seem fine at um, my end, so um, I, oh, I don't know. Right, okay. but, but if you can hear us, my end. <laughs> if you can hear us, and, and I we am can hear you. The wrong man to ask. So welcome, Mark. Um, we are we are a few questions in, um, but because of the running order, you actually get the the first chance to answer the next question, which oh, is that if we look at Portsmouth. Um, would you agree that there is a north-south divide? And if elected, what would you do to try and level that up for the north of the city? Okay. If you want me to be partisan, which I could be quite easily, by the way. <laughs> the, the, the floor is yours, Mark. Okay, thank you. Um, we call it the 50th parallel for Labour because we have no councillors in any of the six wards um, north of Fratton. 
So it's Tory Liberal Democrat and the Independents, the Progressives. And um, Paul's Grove in particular, um, but it's also the same for other, other parts of Portsmouth in the South, by the way. Um, it's got some of the highest, if not the highest, I think Paul's Grove has got the highest deprivation index um, in Portsmouth other than Lamport and Buckland, but it's right up there. So the PO6 postcode is um, not a very positive one. So there's clearly a north-south divide. It's partially to do with geography, um, I think, um, because those those wards that, you know, go from, I think, probably Cotner to Hillsey, then you get over to Porsgrove, um, Drayton and Barlington and Cosham, uh, there's nothing in between, so there's not too much. You know, I think I think people in Portsmouth they've been telling me this already that they don't feel as though they're connected to the rest of Portsmouth. So it's certainly a north-south divide in terms of income, in terms of education, in terms of social inequalities, and even more importantly, um, I think in terms of employment. Um, I was reading this up this morning. There's um, 16,000 people, you know, in the in Portsmouth are claiming universal credit. It seems to me to be um, extraordinary uh, that can be the case. And many of those are in Paul's quote, so you have to ask two questions. It's either underemployment, which I think is what it is, uh, or um, it's unemployment. The problem is you can't tell universal credit these days because they don't publish the unemployment statistics, do they? You only get to know the number of claimants, so you don't know whether it's unemployment or otherwise. So can I, um, I sorry, um, sorry, Mark, can I um, get you to yeah, join your remarks to a close? Because you're, you're at two minutes, 20, mate. Sorry. Oh, right. So I get three minutes. Do I? Uh, no, it's it's two minutes per question. Sorry. Oh, it's two. Right. Yeah. Sorry. So <laughs> when Ian um, said you got the floor, I thought, well, I'm bang on for a bit. No, uh, I beg your pardon. So if we can, if we were all right to, can we stop there? I appreciate obviously you kind yeah, of come oh, straight in know, and stop. So That's I'll fine. be okay the second time around. All right. No worries. Thank you very no much, problem. mate. So, candidate Brown. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, um, th thank you also to Mark for um, pointing out the universal credit situation because I've recently been on universal credit myself. I'm now currently on a zero hours contract. So it's very difficult um, to sort of be in this situation, especially when the government is constantly, the Conservative government is saying how employment's going down every year, more and more people are working than ever before. And sort of basic, basically lies like that. Because, you know, how, as Mark said, how do you define someone that's employed, especially people like me that are on zero hours contracts? But um, back to the question, obviously, with the North-South divide, I think the main issue and my main concern is the lack of provisions in the north of the city compared to the south of the city with regards to community development. I feel like in the south of the city, we have um, the Hive, we have brilliant um, volunteer networks and actually some very good provisions for people who are struggling. But those provisions aren't always filtered through to residents in the north of the city and places like Paulsgrove. And, mm. you know, volunteering recently in Paulsgrove and um, Cosham, I found that the demand has, for food banks and services like that, that, which we shouldn't really need in the UK in the first place, mm. has gone up by 40% just in the north of the city. And I think that's an absolute disgrace. And I think the only way, sadly, of combating that is um, by sort of making sure there's more provisions in the north of the city and making sure there's more equality between residents in the south and the north of the city regardless of the demand we should have those services there to help people who are were struggling before this pandemic but need it even more so during this pandemic where employment's um really fallen and sort of people's ability to be mobile and get out the house and find those services has been very difficult yeah 
Thank you. Candidate Madgwick. Hello there. Thank you for joining us, Mark. I think I saw you on the campaign trail for the general election up in You Port did, yeah. Up in Lowestoft <laughs> Road. I was saying that this, this morning. Actually. Yeah, that's right. I, I recognise you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yes, good to know that you are also like canvassing as well. It's an enjoyable yeah. thing. Um, obviously, the question being is that um, how would you ensure that there's more investment in the north? Um, it's an quite a difficult question to answer fundamentally because as a singular councillor you don't really have much individual impact mm. itself on increasing investment you have to be part of a, a a coalition of people to be able to really do that obviously i know that we've got some funding from the community infrastructure levy which i know we go on to later in the show but you know fundamentally it's going to have to be boots on grounds and hard working building up a volunteering base and, and and kind of actually working hard not i'm not talking about sitting in an office i'm not talking about saying i'm going to do this or do that or send some emails it's boots on ground it's getting proactive volunteers and people to really help the local area um there is fundamentally a divide, and I agree with Dr. Farwell that it is more of a geographical issue, um, and it's definitely more of a demographic issue um, based on, on the demographics of, of, of the people in the certain areas. So fundamentally, yes, there is a divide, but can any of us as councillors, as in, as in myself, Dr. Farwell or Mr. Brown, do anything individually? No, but we can be part of a cog that can help to, to, to yeah. snort that divide. You know, and I think that's what's important. Um, one thing that I've committed to do, which a lot of people in Paulsgrove will see in their literature, is that I'm not taking a councillor salary directly. My entire salary from being a councillor will be donated directly to the Paulsgrove community um, because obviously I'm fortunate enough not, not, to, not to need that finance. So I'm going to obviously donate that directly to the community, which will hopefully be able to invest in local things, invest in local infrastructure, invest in local clubs and things like that, and then bring the area up a little bit. So that's what I'm personally hoping to do. Fantastic, Mr. Brown and uh, and Doctor um, Mark. Any any comeback or any uh, any thoughts around anything you've heard? I'll, I'll go first, should I, George? I go first. All oh, right. Okay. No. Oh no, I'm still George Brown. Not that match by the way. Um, it, no, actually, I've had myself in a kind of a moment of consensus because I know, and I was reading this obviously because we had a general election in 2019, so. We were campaigning quite heavily in Paul's group. Um, is that we had, and this is a collective thing, George, George M. That is, um, that we had um, the kind of a collective approach because I thought that the tackling poverty strategy from Portsmouth City Council 2015 2020 looked like a really strong document to me, but of course, it's no good having a strong document if you don't get strong outcome. And, I, I think the situation has worsened slightly over the last few years. And I think COVID has really brought that to the fore. You know, the inequalities were hidden, I think, in the past. Um, you can you can see them more clearly. I know that because I was working with the Hive, because Pompey and the community were, um, you know, well, operating mostly in the south, by the way. I know it's located in the south, by the way, but it was mostly in the south and not so much in the north. Last 10 seconds, so, please, of your rebuttal. I think we're in agreement, by the way. Some consensus for Paul's growth. Either George. I'm all good. Thank you. Marvellous. Simon, over to you. Okay. So, um, and so following that same 
so that same order. So uh, again, uh, so it's to Dr. Farwell first. Um, so clean air zones, good or a bad idea, Dr. Farwell? A very good idea. And um, no, not that I'm a Green Party member, but I think that the Labour Green agenda um, nationally as, as well as locally um, is very good. I think Ports of Southampton and curiously Chichester to do with the railway um, has uh, got some of the worst air quality in the south. Um, it's, it's, it's even worse than Brighton, which surprises me. But of course, it's hardly surprising in Portsmouth and Southampton because of shipping, and probably even more so in Southampton, of course, because you've got the um, Eastley or Southampton airport to the north, so it gets squeezed both sides. So I think it's a positive, and of course, and the reason it's a positive is because unlike climate change deniers, it's not a myth. Um, we, we, we know in Cockner um, from um, uh, recent research, uh, GPs are overwhelmed, actually, um, in parts of Portsmouth with uh, children mostly under the age of 12. Um, there seems to be an asthma um, uh, epidemic in uh, Portsmouth currently, and that should be a matter of urgency. I mean, some of the stuff in Co Was that my two minutes? No, forgive me. That was somehow my oh, right. someone I getting someone getting past my phone silencing. So, so we're, we're at yeah, um, we're so, we call that one minute eighteen so, so far. It should be a priority, and of course, it's getting cars out of Portsmouth is the most the key I think to this. Okay, thank you very much. Um, and so to uh, Mr. Brown, please. Yeah, I very much agree with that um, previous sentiment from Mark. I think air quality in this part of the country is a big concern. I think with Portsmouth being a major major naval port and a very densely populated city, you know, it's the most densely populated city outside of London. And with places like Southampton also being um, a massive um, sort of port, merchant, um, commercial port, um, mm -hmm. I think air quality is a big concern for a lot of residents on this part of the South Coast. Yes. So I think there, do, there does need to be provisions made to sort of address this issue. Um, with regards to this particular issue, um, I'm not sure how much of a priority it is for Falls Grove. I know that might sound controversial, but realistically, I'd want to see this trial sort of in the inner city parts of Portsmouth and Southampton, where there are serious issues with air quality and congestion. I think what I would do if I was to be given the opportunity to be on Portsmouth City Council is to actually properly research the current trials that are being put into place. I know that I think Birmingham have a Class D trial at the moment, and they're sort of waiting on... The results for that and to see whether that was um an efficient and sort of um important step in making sure that air quality was improved but at the moment i don't have the statistics as to what this could bring about and what this could do to mm. with regards to improving air quality so at the moment it's not a big priority of mine but it's certainly something that needs to be discussed and sort of kept track of as we test it in other cities okay thank you very much and then uh, lastly for that um, that question to mr madrick please um, it certainly looks like a lot of us are going to agree on almost everything tonight. I think um, <laughs> um, so. It's difficult to add on to anything that's that's already been stated. To be honest with you, of course it's a good idea. Um, I think anybody saying it's a bad idea is is quite simply foolish. I don't think there's anything negative about creating a clear air zone. Um, and I think uh, say clean air zone. And I don't I don't I say anybody that says it's a bad idea to me is is foolish. There cannot be a, a negative from it. Um, but like like Mr. Brown has said, I, I don't think necessarily at this particular moment in time, it's a, it's a specific issue for Paul's Grove. I know down in the city, there is a big problem with it. 
um, as, as Dr. Farwell said, there's a big problem in Copner. And I know that down in the city centre, there's a huge issue with it. Mm -hmm. So fundamentally, I think that whoever, whichever one of us is elected, um, would have to probably look at working with other councillors in other areas to try and support them to support clear, uh, clean air zones within their area. I don't think necessarily it's currently a Falls Grove central problem. Um, I think it's more of a city-wide issue and certainly down south. Um, so I think it'd be something that whichever one of us is elected can hopefully work with other people on um, to improve the more central locations where there's a lot of heavy footfall, a lot of heavy traffic. Um, mm. And that's really what I would be focusing on is working with others to, to benefit the areas that are in need. And, say, and I don't think currently it overdramatically affects Pools Grove directly. So the question is, is it a good or bad idea? Of course it's a good idea. Mm. Agree. Thank you very much. Um, would anybody like to come back with a 60 second rebuttal to anything any of the other candidates said? Bearing in mind you all pretty much agreed with each other. <laughs> it's the mutual admiration society here tonight. Um, 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 just, to, just, to just to take a quick um, fly, I see there's a quick question actually from the, um, as, a, as a minor follow up to that, if, if, um, if you'll forgive me, um, from, the, from the comments section, is, is that an issue that's coming up in the doorstep? Because it, it Am I, are we hearing that correctly? Because from what you're seeing, what you know, is is that something coming up on the doorstep? From my yeah, from my experience, nothing. I mean, as I say, we we've done a hell of a lot of canvassing in in Paul's Grove already, and I have not heard this been mentioned once, not one singular time. And I must have spoke to a thousand people in Paul's Grove, and I have not heard it mentioned once. So I think fundamentally mm. for Paul's Grove, it's not a very key issue currently. Mm. Uh, sorry, Dr. Yeah, I think um, oh, sorry. the climate is sort of um, generally a concern. But as um, um, George said, I think I think it's an immediate concern for people living day to day in Pools Grove. I think the day to day concern is policing and infrastructure and you know good transport networks. I think those those things that affect them on a daily basis are the things that obviously they want to talk about and they want to sort of explain and sort of vent their frustrations about. So I agree. I don't think um, this particular policy is a big issue for the day to day resident in Pools Grove. That's great. Um, and as I've given the others a chance to say on that, did you want to say anything more on that, um, Dr. Farwell? Yes, of course. Um, so this is this is a by extension. It's not controversial, by the way, but this is this is a by extension. It's that um, you know there there is a collectivity. There is a I think as George Brown pointed out. Um, Portsmouth population density, and that's the, it, it is almost the same in Falls Grove and elsewhere on Portsdown Hill, but I mean, but it's not quite the same. But you know, when you've got over 22,000 people per, per square mile uh, in this space, it, it, and I, I think George pointed out it's one of those densely populated spaces in the world, probably, but it's probably the most densely populated um, uh, space in um, the UK outside of the metropolitan. And it's it's been a great concern quality, especially with reference to COVID, because um, uh, COVID, one of the toxic side effects, of course, is um, a respiratory uh, illness. And I think this is one of the reasons why, you know, in the asthma question just now, of course, or sorry, we were talking about the clean air question, you know, with me making reference to asthma, is that um, that is airborne and the quality of the air generally is quite poor. So I think it does affect um, the pause growth, but I, I, I agree with George 
uh, Madrid, by the way, that uh, I haven't heard anything like that on the doorstep uh, so far. But I don't think I've done as much door knocking as, as George. I haven't seen anywhere near a thousand. I'm lucky if I've seen a hundred, by the way. But um, but yeah, it's not top priority, but it should be a top priority for the city, I think. Okay, brilliant. Perfect segue. So, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to focus in on this next question um, and and be precise in your answers rather than giving me a list. So, or based on your experience, what are the people of Poolsgrove telling you is top of their priority list? And what can you do to help support them in that? Yeah. To Dr. Farwell. Okay. So, I, th I think for me, it's pretty straightforward and this is what i've heard um on the doorstep there is um matters associated with unemployment housing or underemployment and housing and uh, as i said in my opening comments is that the um number of poor residents that are currently um in receipt of uh, universal credit i think other than lamport and bucket it's the highest it's the third highest in uh, Paul's Grove. Um, I also think is that, and this is to, this is to do with opportunities. I think many Paul's Grove residents feel as though they've been forgotten by the um, city for quite a long time now, and I, I think hence the reason why you know, there was such um, a reaction in Paul's Grove um, to the uh, European Union referendum. Uh, nobody, nobody seems to be listening, and I think who, whoever wins this election. Um, we'll have to be promising something about, for the first time, Portsmouth residents need to be pulled back into the collective or into the centre, so they exist outside of the city, and they're certainly not a priority. It goes back to the, um, you know, first uh, comment we made: is there a is there a divide? And it certainly is a divide. Portsmouth is the most extreme, isn't it? So it's extreme to the northwest and uh, separated by a pretty heavy piece of road. And uh, I, I think it's important to bring that back. So I think it's 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 housing and transport for sure, and it's also dealing with the issues associated with poverty. PO6 is the third highest deprivation or deprived area in the whole of Portsmouth. So that's our job. Thank you, Mark. Candidate Brown. Thanks very much. Um, I've heard a right mix of um, concerns from residents in Pauls Grove. A lot of concerned about policing, a lot of concerned about the affordability of housing, um, zero hours contracts. And I think locally there are a variety of issues which residents in Pauls Grove are fed up with. But I think the main concern for me is that there's a great deal of um, political disenfranchisement. There's a great deal of anti-establishmentism. And obviously I can't blame these residents because, as I say, Pauls Grove has been left behind. I think this north-south divide, I disagree. I don't think it is just geographical. I think it is political as well, because Portsmouth City Council obviously naturally has a lot of its um, resources concentrated in the south of the city. But for me, that's not an excuse for not being able to represent and send provisions north of the city. I think if you're a local councillor and you have a certain budget and you have a certain amount of resources, you need to use that in a transparent way. And I think if Paulsgrove, if you want higher turnouts in Paulsgrove and you want more um, pools of residents to engage locally in local politics then you've got to throw them a bone you've got to make sure that you're listening to them on a variety of issues and you've got to make sure that you're putting their concerns forward rather than just relying on it as a safe seat or not bothering at all because you're scared that someone might disagree with you you know and I'm very glad Mark pointed out um, the EU referendum I know we're sick of talking about it but 
and I, we know it's not a local issue, but a lot of people in Paulsgrove, I think, at the time of the referendum, did feel like the sort of politicians in Westminster or just the politicians on Portsmouth City Council weren't listening to them. So I really, I'm really not surprised that they voted um, in an anti-establishment way and voted to leave the EU because they simply weren't being listened to. So who can blame them? I think it's all about utilising resources and making sure that there's consistency within the city of Portsmouth. Thank you, Candidate Brown. Candidate Matchwick. Um, yeah, I mean, there's three things for me that have certainly been pointed out. I mean, what I will address quickly is the disenfranchisement that uh, Mr. Brown just mentioned. And certainly Dr. Farwell can agree with this because that's how we met on the campaign trail. Where he was canvassing one side, remember this, he was canvassing one side of the road and I was canvassing the other side of the road. And all of a sudden this angry man come out and screamed at the both of us, although we weren't connected. I was obviously canvassing for myself, but he was canvassing for Amanda. And this man come out and screamed at the both of us. And, mm-hmm. and that was what actually we shared our first conversation over. The fact that in Paul's Grove, the, 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 the people don't like politicians. They don't like yeah. parties. Um, which obviously is a is a bonus for me because, as I say, I've, I've managed to notice a lot of people go, we're not voting this year. Oh, you're independent. OK, we will. And safe. so for me, it's, it's helped, um, but certainly not for the general rule of thumb. You know, people are very disenfranchised by, by political parties. And as Mr. Brown said, you can't really blame them, um, especially up in Paulsgrove. However, the two things that I've personally and said I've, I've, I've spoke to a lot of people and i'm not gonna lie and, and the two things that are coming out are number one policing local policing there is too much trouble with youths down alloway avenue that is unavoidable um there's a lot of robberies in the local shops there um you know uh, and there's a lot of there's there's been a few riots recently there's been obviously some knife issues down in Paul's Grove recently and this has all happened in this year you know the, the, in the last couple of months so policing is a massive 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 thing for Paul's Grove um and secondly um which is such a small thing Paul's Grove don't have a dentist um and and that's one thing that that has come up time and time again since the closure of the healthy living center we haven't had any local dentist or, or local treatment and that is surprisingly one of the biggest things that i've heard about because people have to travel to porchester or to caution to get dental treatment and it's such a simple thing to have um so i as you may or may not know i've proactively booked in a meeting with james hill who's the director of housing um in portsmouth city council and i've got a meeting with him booked on the 10th of may so that if i win fingers crossed that will be the first thing that I will work on is the healthy living center. I know people have tried to get it open before, but equally mm. no one's tried to open it before with the business acronym I've got, you know, this is, this is what I do as a living. I get, I get struggling businesses. I get, I get things that aren't financially viable and I make them financially viable. That's what I do for a job. Um, so that is one of the things I'll be focusing on is getting that healthy living center reopened and getting a dentist back into this area. And I think as say policing and a simple thing like a dentist is something that, any of us should be able to achieve if we were elected. Any of us. Gentlemen, any other thoughts on that? Um, oh, sorry. Uh, In which sorry, case, doctor, uh, sorry, doctor. As, <laughs> as, as question asker, sorry, Ian. I did ask you to focus in. Sorry, um, um, as, uh, oh. sorry, Ian. Sorry, the lag is playing um, silly devils with us. Um, sorry, Doctor Farwell raised his raised his hand. Sorry. sorry, did you have a? Did you have a um, a sixty second rebuttal that you wanted to make, um, Doctor Farmer? Yeah, it's not a rebuttal, by the way, but it was just a comment that um, uh, that uh, George Matwood made, which is which which is about police. I, I understand that, but I I wonder how much we can 
say and promise um, you know, the residents of Portsmouth about policing because it's mostly it's beyond the remit of Portsmouth City Council, <laughs> you know, for one. And of course, we are having police and crime commissioner elections at the, on the um, uh, same day. But that's not to say that it, it, it's not a nuisance. However, because there is a new um, um, policing uh, crime bill currently going through um, Parliament, which is going to have a very significant impact, of course, on um, uh, policing. But I mean, it, it really is a national issue. I mean, I know we've recovered slightly, but if you think about it, in, in the, I think in the first Parliament, the first austerity Parliament, 20,000 police officers have taken off the um, streets of the UK, and I'm sure a few of those came remarks from to a Portsmouth, close, please. by the way. And we're only just beginning to recover. I'm not going to criticise the government's decision to do that, of course, but nevertheless, that's half the reason. It's the fear or the, or the sense of the fear of crime, which is the thing that bothers most people. The rest of the stuff, I'm not going to, de- you know, in any way debunk, um, you know, any ideas that, you know, yep. that knife crime takes place and there's petty theft and so on. But I think overall, it's the fear of crime which is the biggest okay. um, issue. And of course, we're not going Thank- to get that sorted Thank- out in a yeah. election. Thank you, Dr. Farmer. Sorry if I, if I can stop you there because we've gone way over the minute. I beg yep. your pardon. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so I, I am, as host, I am going to insist, though, gentlemen, that you you reconsider and ask for top priority. So I'm looking for a one-word answer from each of you as to what is the top priority. Dr. Farwell? Poverty. Candidate Brown? Transport. And Mr. Madgwick? Health. Thank you, gentlemen. Simon? Excellent. Well, that was interesting. You got three different one-word answers. Okay, so um, thank you very much. So moving swiftly on to the next question. So having talked about things that we'd like to we'd like to look at, um, this question is is about um, community infrastructure levy. So um, just to explain it a bit to the audience in, in case they're not aware, so um, councils um, so councils receive money from developers um, by a, a community infrastructure levy. Um, in order to contribute towards cost of local infrastructure projects, um, and these um, these monies are paid by developers, so it's not um, it's not something that's raised by council tax. Um, it's a it's a money that's actually paid by developers when actually uh, planning applications are granted. Um, and there are there's a pot effectively um, for each ward in the city, um, and the ward uh, the pot for Poolsgrove um, is currently. Um, I understand to be sitting around um, ninety-one thousand pound. So, what would and I'll ask each of the question, each of the uh, each of the candidates in turn, what would you like to see that community infrastructure levy money spent uh, that money spent on? Uh, and the same order again. So to Dr. Farwell first. Okay. So, not not that I'm overly familiar, by the way, um, but these are the th- these are the two things that I've picked up. Uh, on the doorstep over the last three weeks is that um, one is there are some issues, some infrastructure issues down on Cheltenham Road uh, that, that I've been made aware of. And um, secondly, it's um, uh, investment in uh, the uh, Hillside Community um, uh, Centre uh, uh, down off of no, that's off of Cheltenham. No, it's not off Cheltenham Road, is it? It's yeah, the Hillside and Wimmering Centre is off Cheltenham Road, yeah. Yeah, it is. So the focus of the concerns have been um, 
on that project in particular. Now, quite what's required or what's demanded, I don't actually uh, know, but it's cropped up more than once. So this has been something that we've been working on in the election address, by the way, that there is a, a conversation about um, Cheltenham Road. So that's where I am on that, although I'm not absolutely au fait with the issues currently, but I will learn more, I guess, as we go through this campaign. Okay. Thank you very much. And the same question to uh, Candidate Brown, please. Yeah, I'm going to be um, completely honest to sort of all the listeners. I'm not an, in any way an expert on this particular issue, so um, apologies. But I think if there was one sort of focus that could come out of um, investing this community levy, I'd put it in sort of redevelopment programs such as um, the Long Dean Lodge development. I think, you know, that was a care home that closed down about five years ago. I think the original plan was um, to rebuild sort of um, a block of um, apartments for physically disabled and critically vulnerable individuals. So if we were to get any investment from the community level, I think levy, I think oh, that would go to that should go towards um, a project like that, which sort of really targets um, the vulnerable people in Paulsgrove that need adequate housing and want their own independence. Because as candidates, you know, we can't expect non-vulnerable people to um, have their trust in us if you know vulnerable people themselves don't have any kind of access to certain services and the ability to live independently in Paul's Grove. Thank you very much. And the same question lastly to uh, candidate Madrick. Um, I'll keep my answer for this relatively short because as, as I say, I think I mentioned it in the previous question and that's the healthy living center. I mean, it's, you can't get more of a, more of a, a community hub than that. It's in the dead center of Falls Grove. It's in, in Alloway Avenue. It was the main health service mm. for the entire area. It was the only dentist of the area had a little cafe where the elderly people used to go and congregate. There was little clubs there and things like that and it's gone and there's been nothing to replace it. Um, mm. So very simply and very quickly, any type of financing I have available will go to opening that as quick as as quick as physically possible, as quick as physically possible, because that is such an important hub for Paul's Grove. So important. Okay, thank you very much. Um, and would either of you gentlemen like to make a sixty-second rebuttal on the comments made by any of the others? No, no I'm good. Thank I'd you. like to comment on my own if that's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm afraid not. Sorry, you can't rebut oh, your right, own. Okay. You, you can't make a rebuttal to your own question answer. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a rebuttal. It was just a kind of you know something in addition. Yeah. Uh, to um, picking up on George Madrid. Forgive me, but I think um, yeah. If we we'll we'll no, move no, on fine. to the next question. Um, so um, thank you very much, and Ian. So. Some say to, to represent a community, you have to live in that community. How would you respond to that, Dr. Mark? Okay, so um, I think local politics and local communities, and I do, I do, I really do think it's a, it's a positive um, to actually live in the ward that you represent. But of course, that doesn't mean that you can't do a good job and it doesn't mean that um you know you don't pick up on the subtleties and the sensitivities and the nuances um you are representing a community you serve um that community and um, geography um doesn't have to be the single most important criteria it's about engagement it's about involvement 
in associational life. Um, I've been involved in public engagement all of my life as a trade unionist, as a politician, and as an academic, and so on. So under those circumstances, uh, I think the most important part is that that, that community has to have mutual trust and confidence um, in you uh, to represent their interests um, in what is sometimes quite a hostile environment. You know, politics is not always as friendly as it should be. So I would put in a nutshell, it's about social solidarity and it's about enhancing associational life. And you don't have to live in that community to represent. I mean, I live in Southsea, by the way. So <laughs> I'm about the furthest point in Portsmouth that you can get from Paulsgrove. And my only claim is that I lived in Lowestoft Road when I was a teenager. And that was quite a few years ago, by the way. Thank you. No, that's uh, thank you for being so open. So uh, to candidate Brown. Yeah, I think this question certainly applies to me because obviously I don't live in Paul's Grove. I also live in um, the Milton area of Southsea. So I don't have a great deal of um, sort of experience of Paul's Grove. I've never lived there myself. And I only moved to Portsmouth seven months ago. And prior to that, I was in Hedge End, which as many people know, is an SO postcode. So um, I certainly think that is an important question. But at the same time, I think that you don't have to live in an area to be um, to know exactly what the issues are in that area. I think at the same time, you can never be 100% knowledgeable of a certain area either. You know, I lived in Hedge End for 15 years and was a councillor there for three and a half years. And there were still new things I learned every single day, every week about the area, which I'd never known before. So I think, I don't think um, knowledge is necessarily correlated with how long you've lived in a particular area and as Mark said I think you know you can live in an area for a very short period of time and still have a sense of social solidarity and community investment within yourself to understand the area you live in so I think that's a very important question I think you know I don't think I'm not a big fan of sort of members of parliament and candidates for um, general elections being parachuted into local areas but I think with local councils it is very different. I think it's about residents, whether they're new to that area or whether they've lived in that area for 50 or 60 years, just trying to do what's best for their local area and actually speaking and engaging with residents. Thank you. And to Mr. Madrick. Um, I think it's no secret that I will probably say that I think it is vitally important. Obviously, I live here. This might be something we disagree on, although obviously Doctor did say that um, obviously he agrees that it would be a positive thing. Um, I think it's very important and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to stand in this area um, in, you know, in relation to a different area. Um, I was born in Baffins and I was thinking, should I stand in Baffins because I was born there? But fundamentally, I live in Paulsgrove. My friends are in Paulsgrove. I've got family members that live in Paulsgrove. The staff that I employ are dramatically, a few of them are from Paulsgrove. Um, so I've got a connection to the area. Um, it's in my physical best interest to make sure I do the best job I could possibly do if elected as a councillor. Um, you know, it, it's one of those, those things that if, for example, um, you're doing something and your family members over there, you have a, have a loyalty to your family because it's your family. And it's, it's, and it's a very similar thing. You know, I think that because I have a personal connection to Paul's Grove, because I live in the area, uh, work in the area, employ people, have friends in the area, I think that there will be a level of loyalty to that area that you couldn't get if you were disconnected. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I do feel it's really, really important to live or work 
in the area that you're standing for. I do understand Mr. Brown's point that obviously you can have a connection to the area or things like that and you can learn about the area. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you can't. Um, and as I say, if I stood for Baffins, for example, because I was brought up there, I, I would kind of have an idea. But I do think fundamentally, it's incredibly important to live or work in the area that you're representing purely because you have a pure passion because you live there, you work there, you breathe the same air these people do. You know, it, it, it's it's so vital, I personally feel. And I know that obviously that's going to set the cat amongst the pigeons slightly because I know that, as um, George said, people get parachuted in from all different areas. You've got paper candidates put in. And it's and, and I know that obviously it's a, it's a difficult topic, but I can't lie. I personally feel that it is important and I'm waiting for a rebuttal now. <laughs> no worries. So, we a long time. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, any, anything you'd like to add there? Um, yeah, just uh, I'll jolly go first, Mark. No, 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 you don't. The order of their rebuttal is, but um, yeah, I'll just interject slightly. Um, I do think there is something that can be said about living in a particular area and having a local established community and network, and you know that can be friends and family or just residents that you've grown up with. But obviously, I've lived in in Hampshire for most of my life, and I know that there are differences between these different areas, but there are also a lot of similarities. You know, we are in the same region of the United Kingdom, and we do often suffer or benefit from certain things within our geographical sort of sphere on the south coast of England. So I think it doesn't necessarily have to be completely postcode orientated. It can be about being within the region and understanding that, you know, I haven't come from Scotland or Wales. I've lived in Hampshire for a very long time. And whilst I'm, I'm aware that there are big differences, I mentioned it earlier, within Portsmouth, there are big differences between the north-south divide. I think you can learn and adapt to those um, problems and solutions very quickly. And you can really get to know your community and act as a sort of a positive representative for people in an area that you might not be as familiar with as someone who's lived in the area for a lot longer than you are. You have, mm. sorry. Thank you. That was uh, Thank you, George. Just the time. Okay, so um, if I can, so we move on to the next question. Um, and if I can ask you to try to be as brief as you can, because we, um, I'm just conscious that we want to get this question done and start moving to the three-minute closing speeches. We want to start moving to those about quarter two, if we can, um, just to just to give us a chance to get them in. Just looking at nine or ten, Simon, do you want to pick one of those two? I was going to go for nine. So, um, go for I, your life. I thought that might be um, might be the best one. So, okay, so uh, a brief, as brief as you possibly can, please. Um, Dr. Dr. Farwell, um, the lovely weather has seen lots of us out and about. Um, sadly, it um, seems to have le left lots of litter behind. How would you address this? What, you mean, sorry, I didn't quite understand the question. You mean that people are littering all over town? Uh, yeah, so the, the, as the restrictions to lockdown are being lifted, more people are out and about, um, the weather's nicer, um, and therefore, sadly, that is, um, we, we're seeing more litter being left behind um, as a result of that. What would um, oh, right. what would you do to, to address question. that? Sorry, no, I, I understand the question there. That's so, right. And, and, this is a, and this is a problem, this is a recognised problem, I haven't, I haven't picked this up on the doorstep, by the way, but I'm going to answer it nevertheless, is that um, littering is obviously, um, it's, I, think, I think in criminology they call it the broken window syndrome or the broken window theory. If there's neglect long enough, people start disinvesting in the community because nobody cares about it. And uh, littering, although it's not the most serious offence in the world, it is the beginning of something, and quite often it's neglect. And people then progressively start to disengage. 
And not only that, they get disenchanted or slightly disillusioned uh, with the capacity of the city council, the local council to do something um, uh, about it. And it's a great cause of negativity. Uh, I, I grew up on Lee Park. And uh, I have to say that when I was a child, littering was everywhere, by the way, abandoned cars included. But I haven't seen much of that in Ballsborough, uh, by the way. So um, I, I agree. I don't, it's not on the top of my agenda, but I think it's the beginning of something. And people start disinvesting in the community and in infrastructure. Okay, thank you very much. And the same question to Candidate Brown, please. Yeah, well, listen, like, listen isn't something that disproportionately affects Pools Grove. Obviously, it's a nationwide and global issue. In every community, there are people that sort of are very diligent and always, like, pick up their rubbish and put it in the bin. And there are some people, a small minority of people that don't do that. They leave a lot of rubbish, and it just costs a lot of money to get that cleaned up. But I think um, the main way of solving this is just by greater education and greater infrastructure. You know, we need more bins and more signs and in more built-up areas. We need more CCTV to be monitoring this. I think we just need more sort of infrastructure for people to put their rubbish. If they do want to go out in the sun and enjoy themselves, they should have access to facilities where they can, rather than having to sort of just carry rubbish home, maybe they do have a bin nearby that they can put that rubbish in. Um, but obviously this is a question of morality as well. I think there just needs to be more education in schools with regards to the impact um, there is on the climate from littering. I think people do need to be made aware from a young age. I know they already are, but there needs to be a lot more sort of focus on this. And I think one benefit of, the lockdown was that with less people sort of going out and congregating there was obviously a lot less rubbish the environment got to recharge a bit but i think as people do go out and enjoy the sunshine and sort of get to sort of socialize with other people it is going to be an issue but i think rather than a lot of people i've spoken to have said there needs to be more policing there needs to be more police patrols but i actually disagree with that i think now we're finally sort of easing out of lockdown i want people to be able to go out and enjoy themselves without feel, feeling like they're being watched constantly or they're being monitored by the police but at the same time, I think if this is going to be an issue, there just needs to be more local infrastructure so this doesn't happen as frequently and also people are more ed educated on this issue. Thank you very much. And the same, please, to Candidate Madrick. Uh Yeah, and I think this is maybe one of the benefits of living locally is that you do see it. And I, I, obviously, there's, there's two things that I can pick up locally and that's i don't know if anybody saw but on the pipe up for port solent page um which is obviously the facebook page for port solent um there was loads of litter left left on the big green field um over the over the week and it is a problem um it is a problem and this is something that isn't isn't you know doesn't discriminate from demographics you know it doesn't matter if you live in port solent or whether you live in whether you live in Central Paulsgrove, it, it affects every area. Um, and I noticed um, a lot of the local residents will understand um, just in Butterfly Drive, just by the gates as you go up to the chalk pit, there's a massive litter problem there. Um, there's always fly tipping about that area. Um, there currently, as, as we speak now, there's a litter problem up there. Um, it is an issue in certain areas of Paulsgrove. Um, I don't think it's a Paul's Grove wide thing, but certain areas. But I think all of us, to say, no matter who's elected, I think it's our responsibility to ensure that it, it, we clean up as much as possible. And I think that some of our time would be well served if we had a local litter picking up crew. Um, it's something that I was part of a few years ago. I, I have to be honest, I haven't done it for about a year now, but um, since the COVID crisis struck. But prior to that, I was part of a litter picking crew. And that wasn't a political thing. That was just a community-based thing. And we used to go out in our little yellow vest and, 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 and pick up litter. And I think that that's something that, that would really benefit the area. And as, as, as 
as Doctor said, um, it is one of those things that if you keep seeing it day in, day out, and day in, day out, it brings down the area through a psychological basis. Um, and yeah. yeah, and and obviously if we can be proactive and create a little group of volunteers and things like that, and we can just go let a pick and even once a week or once a month, I think it will really benefit the area. It certainly is a, a problem, especially in hot weather. Um, and it's something we just got to be proactive about if we win. Thank you very much. Um, you nicely got that in um, just under time. Thank you very much. Um, does anybody want to um, very quickly rebut to any of the comments made on the, on that question? Excellent. Um, Perfect. So, gentlemen, this now moves us towards closing statements. Um, Simon will start the process reading the closing statement from Tony Hewitt. Obviously, Mark, you will go second. Mr. Brown, third. And Mr. Magwick will close us out. You do have three minutes and three minutes only, and we will be quite strict on this. So if you can be crisp, that would be lovely. Okay, so uh, this is the statement on behalf of uh, Tony Hewitt. So Paulsgrove needs an all-blue team to deliver for them. I'm not a professional politician, but I am community-minded and have always been. I live here, after all. I'm campaigning for, number one, investment into Paulsgrove to right the north-south divide. Between 2014 and 2018, we saw that with a Conservative administration comes investment into the area to the tune of over £16 million. Pounds, uh, which delivered the North Harbour regeneration, bringing big brands and affordable supermarkets and community investments such as over um, £100,000 for community centres, reopening the Paulsgrove Splash Pool, funding for a greening of the ward, road surfaces and more. Secondly, safer and cleaner communities. We've committed to funding new community wardens exclusively, exclusively for the north of the city to tackle antisocial behaviour and fly tipping. We protected the wardens in 2014 when they were up for the axe. We saw their value and we see it now. To their credit, the Lib Dems continue to support the team we created and now it's time to expand it. Antisocial behaviour isn't going away. It needs a constant focus and this will help tackle this. Thirdly, a freeze on council tax. This will be no surprise to you, but we believe in low taxation. And during the COVID crisis, we feel that to raise council tax as the Lib Dems have is morally and ethically wrong. People need to be, a, be, to be able to keep more of their own money. So if you want a local candidate who already has a record of action, is out every day pounding the pavements across Pools Grove and Port Solent, speaking to people, helping people and going that extra mile, who would be joining the biggest political group at the city council? who want to see Paulsgrove and Port Solent thrive, vote for me, Tony Hewitt, on the 6th of May. That's this. Thank you, Simon. So, Dr. Mark Farwell. So, you're not going to be surprised to hear this, is that um, I didn't recognise much of that statement, by the way. So, for me, I think it's not just about Paulsgrove. I think it is to do with the north-south divide. As mentioned in my introductory um, comments, which of course I did a little bit ad-lib, I must admit, is that um, there is uh, no alternative to Conservatives, Lib Dems or the Independents. There are a few, I think they're the progressive. Oh no, I think there is one Independent actually in Paul's Grove, who's a former Labour councillor, I believe. So for me, I, I think it's there needs to be a diverse opinion um, on the Portsmouth City Council. Um, there's no representation. There's, there's no alternative view 
to Liberal Democrats or Conservatives from anything north of Fratton, by the way, right up to Farnington on, or, and uh, Drayton on one side and, of course, Falls River on the other. So for me, I think this is a new day and I think it's about time that the uh, North reasserted itself and uh, put Labour councillors um, in on Portsmouth City Council. And the reason for that, of course, is that you can always rely on the Labour Party, uh, unlike others, um, to actually make the proper social investments. Not least, I think it's it's time for some very severe reform. I mean, the social condition in Portsmouth and indeed in Wimbury has been declining and it's been worsening for over a decade. And it's not just about COVID and um, uh, austerity, and hence the reason for the um, disaffiliation, the disillusionment, the disenfranchisement, by the way, um, of uh, Labour voters and potential Labour voters in the north of the city. So a vote for Labour in this election is a vote for change. And um, what's needed is an effective opposition uh, at Portsmouth City Council at this moment in time, at certain points in history, uh, I mean, in recent history, it's very difficult to separate the Conservatives from the Liberal Democrats. Um, and under those circumstances, I think there needs to be a third element, and uh, that should be Labour councillor, namely me, in Paul's Grove, and that should be the start. Thank you, Mark. So, George Brown. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, my closing um, statement is going to be a lot more brief than my um, opening statement, but all I wanted to say was that the work done by the Liberal Democrat Council in the south of the city, I think there'll be no surprise by this, but I think they've done a brilliant job. I think they've worked hard to maintain local services. They've worked incredibly hard during the pandemic to keep residents informed. And I think they've also done very well to try and protect green spaces and really get the balance right between local infrastructure and also looking after the environment in the south of the city. Um, sadly, in the north of the city, there isn't quite as much focus, I feel. That's not just because of the Liberal Democrats. It's because of all that I feel. Like most of the councils on Portsmouth City Council, other than the councils that represent those wards in the north of the city in places like Pools Grove. So what I'm offering really for the people of Pools Grove is not only to carry on legacy of the Liberal Democrats and their hard work in the south of the city, but also to give them an option. You know, I think Labour and the Conservatives have, also, have always sort of focused on this area as a key target. I don't think they've ever really delivered for places in the north of the city. And can I just say, I think it's great that we've got um, an independent running in this, in this election, Mr. Madgwick. And I think it's very important for me as a Liberal Democrat to give the people of Pools Grove an option to elect potentially a Liberal Democrat councillor in the north of the city. Because I think overall in Portsmouth, since we've been running Portsmouth City Council as a majority party, I think we've done a brilliant job. And I think that needs to filter through to the north of the city. And if I was to be given that opportunity to represent um, areas like Paulsgrove in the north of the city, I'd make sure that things such as community development and infrastructure and political engagement did filter through and was properly utilised evenly in the north of the city, just as much as it is in the south of the city in places like South Sea and Fratton, which are very centralised and are very different to places like Paulsgrove. Thank you, George. And um, finally, George Matchwick. My closing statement has changed about 25 times in my head in the last five minutes. Um, so 
I might be a bit candor here, um, but nothing against the two candidates that are sat with me now, but Tony Hewitt's closing responses just drove me crazy. That is, his closing response is one of the reasons that local people become disenfranchised. It's absolute drivel. It is rubbish. Um, you know, low taxation isn't going to happen. It, it cannot happen because of austerity over the last 10 years. It, it, and he's, he's just pelting out this rubbish, and it's really infuriated me. And I think this is one of the things that really annoys local voters is this this PR that that sounded like to me that speech was written by a professional media company and, and fired out it didn't sound personal it didn't sound heartfelt it just sounded just sounded so mainstream um and it's really really wound me up um and as I say fundamentally and honestly I I do like Mark, as you know, say we've had a bit of chat on the street. There's a lot of there's a lot of toxicity between parties. There's a lot of toxicity in parties and political parties. And I say as an independent, that's great because I can work with all different parties and take an impartial view. Um, and this is why I like Mark is that although we are opposing people politically at the time, we were having a laugh and chat and we're very amicable. And it, it was great. And I don't know Mr. Brown uh, personally, but I do thank you for your comments uh, a short time ago. Um, however. Let me state this, and I'm sorry, guys, that are in this chat, but Labour and Liberal Democrats are not winning Paulsgrove in this election. That's not me being negative or pessimistic. It's me being a realistic. As Ian pointed out, Conservatives won 37% in the last election, and UKIP won 25% in Paulsgrove in the last election. That's 60% of the vote that is on that side of politics. Um, and and in, in, in one election, that isn't going to transpire. So fundamentally you've got a choice i've been going out i've 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 already submitted over over 300 postal vote applications and work with different people i am going to be the second or the first candidate in this election no ifs or no buts um so you've really got a choice if you're voting this is a two horse race between conservatives and myself and i say i do like the other candidates i really this isn't an attack on you personally this is just saying that realistically it's between myself and conservatives and i don't want to live with another conservative in this area although joe hooper as i say i don't like her personally but she does a cracking job and she's very proactive but Gemma knew that got elected two years ago where has she been like where has she been the last two years she's been nowhere she's not knocked on doorstep she's not helped anybody and she's a local conservative representative of paul's grove where is she even our own party are wondering that. So I think we, you really have to look at a different option. And I personally feel the only option in this election for somebody that's not conservative is obviously myself, because whether you're Liberal Democrat, whether you're Labour, whether you're Conservative, UKIP, Green Party, wherever you are, I can work with all the parties rationally and independently. And that is something that I can offer the local area. So that is why I feel you should vote for me. It's going to be between me and Conservatives. So you've got to make a decision. And fingers crossed, you'll give me one shot at proving that I can do a good job. Gentlemen, thank you all thank for you. for your your candor and your openness and for your willingness to participate today. Um, and it's all been very pleasant. Uh, we've not, I've not had to intervene or throw anybody out, or Simon hasn't had to mute anybody once. So um, as we hoped, the the good people of Paulsgrove. Um, have had a chance to, to listen to all of your views. Simon, anything to add? Um, I just wanted to convey my thanks to all four of you um, for taking part in this, our first virtual hustings. Um, as we said at the beginning of the show, it has been um, a bit, bit of a challenge actually to to um, to get everybody um, involved across in, in the different wards that we're looking at in the city. So we really appreciate you um, taking the time out from your campaign trail and from a, a Sunday evening 
um, on a bank holiday weekend to spend some time with us. But I'd also like to thank um, anybody in the lo respective local parties that have helped us get in contact with you. Um, and um, quite specifically, um, to be honest, um, Ashgod Shah um, from and uh, David Simpson from Labour have helped helped us actually finally get in touch with uh, Dr. Farwell. So thank you very much for um, for um, bringing that to fruition. But um, yeah, I'd just like to say, um, hopefully, this has been um, useful and interesting for the people that are really important, which at the end of the day is the people that get to put a, mar a pencil mark in a box on May the 6th or beforehand if you're voting by post. Um, so please, 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 whichever party you support, it is your vote. Please use it. And the bell tolls. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. Our candidates have been Dr. Mark Farwell for Labour, George Brown for the Liberal Democrats and George Madgwick, the Independent. And I've been Simon Sansbury, and on occasion reading for Tony Hewitt for the Conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to make sure that you don't miss the start of the next virtual hustings, please do follow us on Facebook for a notification when the show goes live. That's Pompey Politics Podcast on Facebook. Um, also Pompey Politics One on Twitter. If you'd like to submit a question for any of those events, please um, please submit that either in the event itself on our Facebook page, or you can email us Pompey Politics Podcast, all as one word, at gmail.com. Next week, on the 11th of April, we've got East Ian Craneswater with Liberal Democrat candidate Matthew Winnington and Labour candidate Craig Withy currently already um, accepting our invitation. The week after, on April the 18th, we've got the Police and Crime Commissioner Hustings for Hampshire and the Isle of Wight. And again, we've got the Liberal Democrat candidate, which is Richard Murphy, and the Labour candidate, Tony Bundy. Um, will be joining us. Invitations are still open to other candidates. On the 25th of April, we've got the hustings for Charles Dickens Ward with currently confirmed candidates are Kirsty Miller for the Labour Party and Dr Renu Raj for the Conservatives. And on the 2nd of May for uh, Central Southsea, we have confirmed acceptance from a Labour candidate, Charlotte Gerarda, and from Conservative candidate, Charles Douglas. As we get further developments with acceptances from other candidates, we'll let you know. Um, and the other ward that we had wanted to, wanted to look at was Milton, but currently we only have an acceptance from one candidate in that ward. Um, and we'll also be doing a pre-local election special on the bank holiday Monday, May the 4th. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows, and get to know when we're live. We normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening. Then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>